Hey, welcome to church. My name is Luke and I am your atheist pastor, putting your friendly face on atheism and helping atheists all over the world rebuild their lives after religion. It is 1034 on Friday night and we are here recording the show. Who's we, you ask? Me, Gizmo, Peaches, and the lovely producer Tammy. She's here. I'm here. We are so glad you're here. We have an amazing featured atheist this week. Her name is Stephanie. Stephanie is a yapper. She is a Patreon subscriber. And she's also now a featured atheist. And I love her story. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it in just a little bit. We have a great round of heathens, heretics, and high praise coming up. We're going to talk about uh, some old churches in Canada. We're going to talk about some creepy prayer cards that got sent out in Nashville, Tennessee. And we're going to talk about a guy who was rejected asylum in the UK because Christianity is a violent religion. Uh, But before we get to that... This is a question that comes up all the time. It's a question that we've addressed on the show multiple times. But every time we address it, we get better at addressing it. And, uh, you know, I listen to a bunch of different radio shows and a bunch of different podcasts where, like, the same question comes in every time. And I never get tired of hearing the answers to the same question, like, every time, even if it's the same answer. So I think some of you are going to be able to predict what we're going to say here. But we, we got a question this week on the Yappers page. By the way, if you're not a member of the Yappers, there are 213 or 212 members of the Yappers. Oh, and here's another thing before we get into the question. Yapper is your atheist pastor. So the Yap part is your atheist pastor. And then I just threw the P-E-R-S at the end of it. Because I thought yappers would be kind of fun. Some people don't know that. They're like, what the hell is a yapper? Uh, well, it's a fan of the Your Atheist Pastor show and Your Atheist Pastor, Y-A-P. It's an easy way to abbreviate. So if you didn't know that until right now, and you're like, why did he call it now the, you know. the yappers group? The more you know. <laughs> uh, but we got this question in the yappers group. And uh, multiple folks addressed it. Because multiple folks address it every time. But... The question is, how do I come out to my family members about my atheism? And every time I answer this question, I get a little bit better at it. And there's one thing about addressing this question in particular this time that I I said that I was like, wow, I am profound and incredible. And I should share this with the world. I also just think it was really valuable. And it was just, it's it, it I get a little bit better at, at conveying this every time. You know, because when I did it, it was really easy for me. Like I just told my mom and I didn't, I don't, you know, I didn't live there. I hadn't lived there for years. And so I was very removed from my family. So it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal, but it wasn't a huge deal, I guess. But for a lot of you, I recognize that it is a big deal, especially those of you, and you know who I'm talking to, you know who you are. Those of you who live at home, maybe you haven't even graduated from high school yet. And you feel like this is so much of who you are that you have to, that you feel like you need to tell those people that you love and that you care about, hey, this is who I am. And so first of all, yay. Like we, I, I, you know, I, everybody makes their decisions. Everybody kind of decides in their own way about who they want to tell, if they need to tell, if it's a big deal. And so I think yay for those of you who really want to, even if you live at home, that want to step out and say these things. And the other side of that is if you feel like it's going to put you in a, in an unsafe situation or you feel like you're going to get kicked out of your house, 
then for the love of God that I don't believe in, do not tell your parents, family members, anybody that you are an atheist if you feel like it's going to put you in an unsafe position. I personally, um, so in the Christian realm, and I think this may be, I think this may be leftovers from Christianity, but in the Christian realm, they tell you that you need to be open and honest about your faith, even if it costs you your life. And so I think part of a holdover from the Christian realm is that we feel, we, those of us who were religious and now aren't, feel this drive to tell others about our atheism because we've been taught our entire life that we need to tell other people about our Christianity. Like, that's something that, that everybody needs to know. And so you become an atheist, and now you're like, well, I had to tell everybody about Jesus because I need to tell people about Jesus even if it costs me my life. So maybe I need to talk about my atheism, even if it costs me my life. Um, I would choose self-preservation over your atheism, especially if you're under 18, especially if you're living at home. But if you feel like you're in an environment that would be conducive or you feel like you have to say something, you don't feel like your safety is in jeopardy, then we applaud you and support you in your efforts to share your atheism. So we had someone ask, hey, I think it's about time for me to let my family know that I am not a believer. Any advice? So some of you may have, uh, uh, some of you may remember a featured atheist from a while ago. Uh, his name was Jim, and he had some great advice. And my, uh, the reason I tell you about Jim's advice was because uh, it has something to do with what I threw out there. Uh, so Jim kind of talked about just be just be open. Just be honest. Just don't sugarcoat it. Don't beat around the bush. Just be unapologetically you. And I think that's a really important point, that you should just be unapologetically you. And so I totally agree with Jim in my, my first point. And then here were just some other thoughts I had. Some of these might be repeat. Some of them might be familiar. But uh, I'll get to the one that I really think was, uh, was important. Um, let them ask questions. Uh, and, and so when you tell your family members that you are going to be an atheist or that you are an atheist, um, it's important to let them ask questions and give yourself permission to say, uh, that's a great question. Let me think about it. Because so many times we go in and we say, this is what I believe. And then family members or friends hit us with all these questions and all these concerns and all these you know, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Don't feel like you have to have all the answers because you don't. You are going in there to explain this to them. You're not going in there to convince them. And that's the one, the one thing that really struck me this time around in answering this question is to enter into this conversation with an attitude to inform, not convince. I am here to tell you that I am an atheist. I'm not here to tell you to become an atheist. See, when a Christian tells you that they've become a Christian, they're not telling you to inform. They're telling you to inform you and then to convince you. They're going to tell you about their faith, then they're going to tell you about how you can find the same freedom that they had 
And so I think we need to be really careful not to build our atheist house too much like our Christian house. Some of us bulldoze our Christian house. We rebuild our atheist house with the same structure and just a different coat of paint. And I think we really need to be cautious to, because a lot of us, it's the only house we know. Like my only house, the only house I knew was a Christian house. So when I started to rebuild my atheist house, it was, well, I need to find a, I need to find me a community. I need to find, uh, I, I looked at like Sunday assembly and some of these other things that basically take, they, they basically create a church, they, they create an atheist church. And I don't think they're bad necessarily, but for me and for a lot of folks that I see, I think we sometimes need to bulldoze the house to the foundation and look at the plans and say, what kind of house do I need to build? What kind of house fits my needs now? And so when we go into these discussions with our religious relatives about our atheism, sometimes we feel the urge that we need to convince them to affirm my decision. I need to leave this conversation with them saying, it's okay that you're an atheist. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. They're not going to. If you have a religious family, most of them are not going to say, we agree with your decision. I was just going to say, based on the fact that, um, you know, Christians kind of like their whole thing is about evangelizing and trying to convince people that they're, you know, that that's correct. They're probably going to assume that that's what you're doing by presenting your atheism to them as well. Exactly. So when they start asking questions, I would say to them, hey, I appreciate that question. Let me think on it. But I just want to let you know, I'm not here to convince you to become an atheist. I'm informing you of my decision. So again, inform, not convince. And I think if you go into this discussion with the idea that I am here to inform my family members, not convince them, then it might give you an easier time. And that goes in tandem with End the conversation if it becomes abusive or toxic. In this situation, emotions might run high, so I would be firm with your boundaries. And as soon as they, if it starts to cross the line, if they start to say, what about this? What about this? What about this? How could you turn your back on the church? How could you do this? Because they will, you say, mom, dad, brother, sister, whomever I'm talking to, I'm not here to convince you. I'm here to let you know that this is where I stand now. And they will continue to push you. And you have to continue to push back. And so if they start to push too hard, you say, I just wanted to make sure I told you this tonight. I think we need to end this conversation now. And if you do have to end the conversation then, leave the door open to revisit the conversation. So be unapologetically you. Go into it with an attitude to, to inform, not to convince. Let them ask questions. End the conversation if you have to. But if you just feel overwhelmed, say, Mom, Dad, Brother, Sister, I appreciate your questions. I need to think on some of these things. I really just tonight wanted to inform you of where I'm at. I'd love to revisit this with you in a couple weeks. And let's, like, let's continue to talk about it. Because especially if you live at home or if you have family members who are like really up in your business, then then you you might need to revisit it because remember this is a big deal for you but to them you have just sealed your death warrant 
You're you, not going to be with them in heaven forever. You and I both know that this is not an eternity thing. We know that God doesn't exist. We know that we're going to be fine. We know that life is better now, but they don't. To them, this is a loss. And as much as I appreciate where you are, when you decide that you are going to reveal this to your family or friends, then you have to understand that you're taking on, you're not necessarily taking on, but you you can't be mad at them when you are then going to, like when they ask questions, because they're coming at it from a different perspective than you are. And finally, don't be a dick. Remember that religious people think atheists are angry and awful people. So be firm, be resolved, but be kind. Because you and I both know that we're not awful people. We're great people. We are amazing people. We are the same person right now, but a better version of who we used to be in our religious realm. So the best way to show them that, if you want to convince them, the best way to convince them is to not be a dick and remove yourself from any situation that might be otherwise. And there's one more thing I want to tell you about this, is that every single person who listens to this show, every single person who is part of the Yappers group, every single person who might be on the periphery of this show supports you. We love you, we care for you, and we want you to go out there and kick some ass. Because I know that by that when I started telling people about how I felt religiously, I know what that did for me. I know how that opened up my life to be able to really pursue those things, those dreams, those passions, those desires that I really wanted to pursue. And so if that's where you are, then damn it, do it and kick some ass. But remember, be unapologetically who you are. You are there to inform them, not to convince them. It's okay to say, that's a great question. I need to think about it. It's okay to say, I think I'm done right now because I just wanted to inform you who I am. You should say, let's leave this door open for future conversations. And remember, be firm, be resolved, but be kind. And we'll be right back with Heathen's Heretics and High Praise. Hi, this is producer Tammy. If this show has had an impact on your life, please consider supporting it financially. You can go to youratheistpastor.org or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com. Search for Your Atheist Pastor. You'll have access to past audio from our live Q&As, our monthly Patreon-only show, and even an invite to our super-secret Skype calls. You'll also have access to our eternal gratitude, and who doesn't want that? Thank you for your support. You must order the personal pack packers, and you got to order it right now! I refuse to be mediocre because people around me are mediocre. Males have a tendency to uh, uh, wander a little bit, and what you want to do is to make the home so wonderful that he doesn't want to wander. I have great relationship with God is healing you. Some of my enemies, I feel like I need to write them a check. He cheated on you. Well, he's a man. 
You might get AIDS in Kenya. The people have AIDS. You got to be careful. I mean, the towels can have AIDS. Get ready for supernatural miracles. Most importantly, I brought my Bible. Well, it is time for Heretics, Heathens, and High Praise when we take a look around the religious world to find the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't know where this one qualifies or where this one falls into the good, the bad, or the ugly uh, this week. So I don't know if you saw this uh, saw this article rolling around. Um, so an unidentified man tried to get into the UK by, by asking for asylum. And he said that he recently, he was um, an Iranian national who converted to Christianity because it was a peaceful religion. Now, Britain's immigration department, known as the Home Office, did not agree with the fact that Christianity was a peaceful religion. So they used verses from the books of Leviticus, Exodus, and Revelation in an attempt to argue that Christianity was hardly peaceful. The asylum seeker's application was denied on Tuesday according to the man's legal representative who shared the details on social media. The Church of England did not like this, clearly, and immigration advocates denounced the decision as another example of the Home Office's harsh methods. The man has not been identified yet, and he converted from Islam and filed the claim in 2016, according to the immigration caseworker and the legal representative Nathan Stevens. The Home Office used extensive quotes from the Bible, such as, you will pursue your enemies and they will fall by your sword before you, from Leviticus as evidence against the asylum seeker's claim. Mr. Stevens, the attorney, shared the rejection letter on Twitter, uh, citing, uh, this was the rejection letter said, these examples are inconsistent with your claim that you converted to Christianity after discovering it as a peaceful religion, as opposed to Islam, which contains violence, rage, and revenge. The immigration caseworker said he was stunned by the contents of the letter. He said, I've seen a lot over the years, but even I was genuinely shocked to read the unbelievably offensive dry type, diatribe being used to justify a refusal of asylum. He could not be reached for comment on Thursday, and no further details about the asylum secret were available. So I just thought this was really an interesting story about how, you know, you hear a lot of times, especially here in America, how... Islam is a religion of violence and Christianity is a religion of peace. And at this point, um, I would say that your Christianity, by and large, in terms of physical violence, is not near where it was during the Crusades, obviously. I think Islam is kind of going through that. But uh, I think that using your, co your conversion to Christianity as a religion of peace to seek asylum, I don't necessarily know if that's... Um, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily like the, a good example or a good way to go about it, but uh, I don't know. I thought that was really, I thought that was really interesting. But I don't know whether that falls in the good, bad, because you, you know, some people read that article and like, fuck yeah, you know, fuck that guy. Like he converted to Christianity, he's trying to use his Christianity to get in here. Uh, but other people, like you know, maybe approach that with a little bit more compassion and think, well, he could probably must get out of Iran because now he's not a Muslim anymore, and that might be problematic for him. Our next story comes out of Canada. Uh, so a lot of churches are closing in Canada. don't know if you knew this or not. As many as a third of Canadians' houses of worship, which is about 9,000 churches, synagogue, synagogues, mosques, and temples, uh, could be in danger of being demolished over the next 10 years. That's according to the National Trust for Canada, which is a nonprofit group 
dedicated to preserving historic buildings. In Canada, they're becoming increasingly secular. And as Canadians become increasingly secular, their churches no longer have any purpose. So thousands of buildings our uh, thousands of buildings are basically becoming endangered species because there's no money going into the collection plate there's no money to keep those churches open and so now people are trying to decide well so what do we do with these churches and there's a lot of debate on on what you know we should what they should do and so since churches or other houses of worship often house programs like soup kitchens homeless shelters tutorings and other outreach ministries the whole community could potentially lose out if a church closes its doors. I mean, that's something, you know, whether you like churches or whether you don't like it, something you have to at least admit is that there are churches out there that are doing good things. For the community. And if those right. churches close, that those good things will stop. Yeah, I'm, I, I know personally of people who rely on the church for daycare they're not religious at all, but that's the only option that they have that's affordable. So a lot of times these churches get in bad shape, they start to fall apart, and then the churches don't know what to do with it. So Because they, they don't have the money to to do anything about it. So the church churches will work with governments, foundations, and private donors. And there was one church in particular. It was the St. Matthew's Anglican Church located in Winnipeg, which is a city of about 750,000 people. It was built in 1908. Membership and attendance peaked in World War II. As many as 1,200 people came to the services on Sunday at the downtown church. But then members started moving to the suburbs and attendance fell. By 2003, there were 85 people left. And this church had a long history of serving the surrounding area. So they had to decide what to do with the building because it's big, it's old, ugh, it's kind of falling apart. <laughs> so the church worked with different levels of government, foundations, and private donors on an $8.5 million plan to convert the former sanctuary into 26 affordable housing apartments over four floors, along with space for various local organizations. The building, which is now called West End Commons, still functions as a place of worship, housing five different congregations. Not one, five. Mr. Campbell, a representative for the church, said, we had a big goal not to leave a derelict building in a challenged neighborhood. We didn't want to signal a downward spin. Now we are signaling an upward spin. In Ottawa, the historic All Saints Anglican Church, which was built in 1899 in the capital city of Sandy Hill neighborhood, also faced an uncertain future. So there was a one, they sold, uh, they sold it for $1.52 million to a local group, and that was turned into an event space. They worked with the community to repurpose it, turning it into an, something that everyone could use. The building is also rented by a couple of congregations, and for a short time, it was also home to a Muslim congregation. Here's the point, and here's why we included this story. There are tons of churches in America that are starting to fall apart that are great buildings that could be used for other things. And one of the things that we really loved seeing out of this, and I think this is something, too, that those of us who used to be believers can kind of see this as kind of a, I don't know, maybe a metaphor for your own life. These churches started to fall apart 
but they repurposed them into something that was great for the community because they recognized that the church was something good for the community. There, there, there was something good going on in the community. And I think something that we can do as folks who used to be religious, we can repurpose our lives, and they don't have to be just an old, dreary, what this guy say, an old, decrepit, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, just because you lose, you lose your faith doesn't mean you're in some kind of old, decrepit place. Like, you can repurpose where you were, what you were doing, even the, your career. I have totally repurposed my career. Yeah, you have. Into something that is phenomenal. And you can too. You know, if your faith was something that really drove you in your career, you can re repurpose yours I too. I love that. And this is, out of all the stories, this is probably one of my favorite. And I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why it was my favorite, but it was my because, favorite. Oh, because we're all going to relate to this. This comes from Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee. If you've ever heard someone say, I've been praying for you. I'll pray for you. This takes it to a whole new level. So a group of Nashville churches decided recently to pray for every resident in their city. And they <laughs> sent out postcards to everyone on their prayer list. Some folks really liked the postcards. Other folks thought it was a little creepy. <laughs> so one Nashville resident identified as Corey Johnson said, I just couldn't believe that some creepy guy I don't even know was taking time out of his day to tell me how to live my life. <laughs> I genuinely, genuinely believe the prod, the project is a form of trespassing and a huge invasion of privacy. I thought it was interesting that religion news service included that. Like that was their first quote, <laughs> you know, it kind of makes me think like, what is the What's the direction of this, of this article yeah. and how are they going to it? So apparently this was a, a 30 day prayer focus. However, I just want to point out, this was a 30-day prayer focus that took place in February. So it wasn't a 30-day prayer focus. It was a 28-day prayer focus. focus. So, so listen to this. So, so the, uh, Dave Clayton, who's the pastor of the Ethos Church, said that for the last several years, the, their congregation has fasted and prayed for the city of Nashville during February. And if you're going to fast and pray, you need to do it during February because it's the shortest month of the year. So you get to save three days... You know, if you did it in March, it's 31 days, man. You don't want to do that. So if you do it in February, especially if you don't do it on a leap year, then it's only 28 days. So you get 29, 30, 31. So there's three three days that you save yourself fasting and prayer. So just make a note. If you're ever going to give up something for a month, you want to make February. sure you do it in February. <laughs> so you do, it's the shortest month. It's the most likely you are to succeed. So Clayton says, I love this city, and it's a great time to be here. But we just had this conviction that despite all the good things that were going on, there's still a lot of pain. So we started wrestling with how we could love and care for the city. And I think there are a lot of answers to that. But for us, the starting place was prayer. Why? Because it's easy. He didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> because here's the thing about prayer, folks. You don't have to do anything. All you got to do, you ready? Here it is. Ready? Watch this. Dear Lord, bless my city. And John Smith over down the street, who I've never met, who I don't have to go talk to, who I don't have to have any interpersonal connection with, but I can say his name, and you, Lord, know his needs. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I'm an atheist, and my prayer was just as meaningful as the Christians who prayed it down the street. Okay, but some of these were very specific. Like, some people got postcards. Okay, so hang on. No, no, no. Yes, but hang on. Okay. So eventually, the church along with 350 other congregations. 350, that's a big deal. 350 other congregations, that's like, 
That's a big feat in and of itself. Decided to pray for every person by name in the city of Nashville. So volunteers were given a list of names to pray for from January 27th to February 24th. Oh, maybe it was 30 days. At the end of that period, they were encouraged to send a note to the people on the list. Kevin Queen, the lead pastor at Cross Point Church in Nashville, said the postcards were meant to encourage those who received them and said that when it comes to prayer, a personal touch matters. He said, I think we can pray general prayers, but when I pray for my kids, I pray for them by name. When I pray for my wife, I pray for her by name. When things are personal, it just increases the love. Andrew Brummel thought that when he, thought when he first saw the postcard that it came from a friend. And he said he was glad to know that someone had been thinking of him. He said, I'd been going through some things right about that time, and I got a postcard. So when I got it, I was it was almost a sign from God that things would all work out. Haley Nutter, who lives in Nashville, said that she didn't get a prayer card, but she wished she would. She said, I am religious. I grew up in church, and I love the effort to reach people that they made. I think it's a blessing. But there was one anonymous resident who did not think that the prayer card was that fantastic. It was you, wasn't it? In fact, they thought <laughs> that the card was a bit pushy. In the card, an anon this is what the person said. In the card, an anonymous person indicated that for nearly a month, they had been praying for me to let Jesus into my heart. What creeped me out was not just that the person was sending me well wishes my way, but instead praying for me to make a religious conversion. A guy named Richard Pitt, who's a sociologist, said that he loved this idea. He had mixed responses. He said that mixed responses were understandable because not everyone has the same relationship with the church. In fact, for some people, saying, I'll pray for you comes across as, I'm praying for you to change. And for others, it means you're part of the community. Pitt went on to say, the sociologist in me says, this is awesome. Because while religion creates conflict, it also creates hope. Sending a note to people you don't know, however, complicates matters. Because here's the thing. Some people think it's odd that you get their address and send them notes. They don't like that. If I got a random note that said, Dear Luke, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for your soul. That you would accept Jesus. I'd be like, how the fuck did this person get my address? But then I remember <laughs> my address is all over the internet. So like, people can figure out where you live. Um, one gentleman said, I don't understand how prayer can really matter if the person who is praying doesn't even know that they are being prayed for. My dad has a lot of health issues. So if someone told me they were praying for him, I would be more receptive to that. Um, so I have mixed feelings about uh, this. I feel like the postcard thing is just like okay. drawing attention so, to the fact that okay, I did yes. a good deed and I want you to know yes. that so I did Jesus, a good deed. So Jesus says when you pray, pray in silent. Don't pray like the hypocrites out by the street announcing to folks that they're praying. And I get that. But I also know that there are some people and their theology tells them that God knows them, God loves them, God cares for them. And to get that prayer, to get that little postcard probably meant like the world to them. Um, and and listen, if you want to send somebody a postcard, all you have to do is get a phone book. Like nothing in this indicated stalking. Like nobody got on Facebook and Googled someone's name, at least according to this article, we don't know. But according to this article, no one got on Facebook, was stalking people's names and looked up like super duper personal shit. 
like they just prayed for Jesus to bless them. So on the one hand, I get why you might be a little offended because somebody like got your your address, but you can get that out of the phone book. What about the guy that was told to accept Jesus into his that, heart? That's not okay. That's annoying, but it's not personal. Like you could just you could do that with every person that you prayed for. Like you don't know the people. So like you could totally send a postcard to John Smith and say, well, I'm praying for that Jesus, you accept Jesus into your heart. And John Smith might be like, fuck, I already accepted Jesus. He probably wouldn't say fuck, but you know, like, like nothing, nothing in the, to me, trespassing, total overblown. I know these people didn't ask for it. I would be annoyed if I got a prayer card, but let me tell you what would happen if I open, if I got a postcard that said, I've been praying for you. I'd be like, oh, I'm an atheist. I throw it in the trash. That's it. But people can get your address. So um, anyway, we have a phenomenal featured atheist for you today. Her name is Stephanie. She's a yapper. She is a Patreon subscriber. And she's just a fantastic person. I've had an opportunity to talk to her many times since this interview. What I love about talking to her is that she is married to a hardcore evangelical Christian. And we get asked all the time in the yappers group whether or not you should date a Christian. And Stephanie gives some great insight into that question. So I hope you enjoy chatting with our featured atheist this week, Stephanie. My featured atheist for the week is Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. So let's uh, let's kick it off with where in the country are you from and how long have you been an atheist? I am from the central coast of California, San Luis Obispo, and I've been an atheist most of my life. Did you have any religious experience uh, as you were growing up? Were you did you encounter it at all? Not not really. Actually, the, my uh, I would say I was raised a puritanical atheist, so there's that. But um, my experience growing up, we never went to church. Um, my mom kind of wanted us to once in a while, and then it just it just never happened. I had friends that were, you know, religious, mostly Catholic. And they would ask me, they would say, so, you know, what are what are you? What religion are you? And I would say, well, I'm half Lutheran and half Catholic. So that's that's how much I didn't understand what it all meant. So my dad, my dad grew up Lutheran and my mom grew up Catholic. What do you mean by a uh, puritanical atheist? I think I know. <laughs> I think I know what you mean, but I want to know what your definition of that is. I mean, I feel like we had all the same laws as your typical uh, Christian rules, you know, all the virginity and all that kind of stuff. Um, no swearing, that kind of thing is basically what I would mean by that. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, because when I was growing up, you know, we had the no swearing, the virginity and uh, don't get wasted and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was attached to making sure you're honoring God. So when you would hear these rules as a child, what was going through your mind with that? Well, it was just the rules. We had, uh, there was no God part attached. Um, the only religion my mom would ever mention is if we were, we were ever having like a super good time and my mom would just kind of joke, uh, well, we're all going to hell. <laughs> 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 and that was it. It was never, you're going to hell. It's we're all going to hell because this is too much fun. Because <laughs> so. we do things as a family. Yeah, pretty well. Yeah, we're pretty tight because we moved all around. We moved all around when I was a kid, so so we bounced around a lot. So my brother and I were, of course, pretty close, and and my parents, and that was our family. 
you know, my grandparents lived far away. So that was it. So growing up, but it was fun. Growing <laughs> up in in America, uh, we we're this is a religious country. So you know, starting from starting kind of from a place of not re- not religious and not having a religious belief. What was that like growing up for you, not being religious, but more than likely being kind of, you mentioned earlier, you, a lot of friends surrounded. had a, yeah, you, so you were surrounded by religion. What, yeah. what was that like for you? Well, like, like I said, I mean, I had no clue. I didn't even realize and that, you know, there was probably some judging going on in the background that I didn't even understand because I had no clue. I didn't realize that you needed to be one of these things and probably my, you know, I had friends that would do things, well, they would go to the CCD, the Catholic stuff, catechism, uh, on their own. And so, of course, I didn't go because I didn't know anything about it. Um, but otherwise, you know, it was pretty cool. Nobody, nobody seemed too bad. And my, my parents, they moved from the Midwest, so they weren't around their religious parents, which aren't, were never super religious. I realized none of my grandparents ever mentioned anything about it to me. So they maybe they were kind of like atheists, but, you know, not out. So you kind of started with this blank slate of no religious baggage, like whatsoever, yes. which I'm incredibly jealous of. Uh-huh. But uh, and I say I'm jealous of it, but I also think on one level, if I didn't have God keeping me from having sex, I'd either have an STD or I'd, <laughs> or I'd have a baby. Like, like, hmm. but by now I'm, well, I'm, pretty I did have a baby. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that would be, that would be where I'm at, uh, in life these days. So tell me what it was like for you developing an identity and your values. Um, how did you go about doing that? How did you find your self-worth and confidence and, um, you know, I'm starting a business and, and, and all those things. Where, where did that, where did that identity and those values come from? Well, I think it just came from family. I don't, and people, I, I don't think religion really has much to do with that. Uh, you know, we we were allowed to explore, we learned, we just had a lot of fun most of the time. Um, my brother and I, we call ourselves jokingly latchkey kids, which was super fun. So I was a little bit raised by the Brady Bunch. Um, <laughs> uh, there, I don't, I don't understand how you would get that stuff from religion. So it's Good parenting, I guess. Yeah. Would yeah, be my yeah. answer to that. Very cool. So tell me a little bit about you uh you mentioned in your in your bio that your husband is <laughs> is is an evangelical Christian. So yes. so tell me about how you you're not religious. He is. So tell me about when you guys met. How did, did was that something that came up? And and walk me through a little bit about kind of your your initial meeting of each other and how how you kind of ended up married, even though you're on two different religious planes. Well, well, we met we met at a nightclub. The one night he didn't pray before he left the house. Ah. So <laughs> so <laughs> so um. <laughs> Anyway, then he ended up with me, and he, well, okay, so then he tells me, the next day he tells me, well, I've got three ex-wives, and I'm like, wow, okay, so how many times are you going to try, and, <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious, but of course, he's like, well, well, one more, one more, so okay, you know, and then I didn't care, because, you know, I had no, I had no plans, it didn't matter to me, I'm, I'm very much kind of a now person, so whatever, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, he, uh, so you know, he was into church and everything. And I'm like, Oh, you know, but we battled back and forth. I argued my point. Well, I, you know, 
silly probably wasn't the word I used, but that's usually the word I think. And, you know, why, why would you believe this? But he was all into it and said it kind of turned him from being an asshole into a good guy. So, okay. And I went to his church for a little while, about 10 years, because it was on Saturday night, which not Sunday. So that's cool. And then, you know, it's just like, not, he's really into it. He played the drums there. So that made it a little bit more interesting than just listening to the message. Yeah. But otherwise, and then, you know, it's still not my kind of music, but it's still more fun to watch it live. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it started. So I, I went and I think, and I would never wear the label Christian. It was always something I would say, there's no way I will call myself a Christian. I mean, the people there to me, there are so many hypocritical things that would happen just seem that doesn't seem genuine. So what was it like for you as a non non-believer being in church on Sunday? Tell me a little bit about the sermons and what you thought when you were hearing about this Jesus and presumably talking <laughs> about giving your life to said Jesus and, 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 and growing, you know, you didn't really have a, a context or a frame of reference for this growing up. So Walk me through the 10 years that you were sitting in the pews on Saturday night. Well, I knew who Jesus was before that, but it, it just didn't matter to me. You know, it, it's like um, Bugs Bunny. It might as well be Bugs Bunny. There, there are some good morals in that story, too, I'm sure. So, um, being there, you know, then we made a few friends, but you know, nothing too important. My husband has a bunch of friends, and that's, that's cool. I... Um, I don't know. The messages were occasionally they were good, but it was definitely cherry picked from the Bible and not not anything that really spoke to me. Every once in a while, they'd say something like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But most of the time, well, actually, one time in particular that really turned me off was a time where they're like, we need to stop tolerating these other sinful things, you know, Mm. whatever. Yeah. And that was like, what? That's no. Uh, I don't, I can't be into that. Not, not good. Yeah. They, they don't like tolerance. Um, no. <laughs> they, they, they like, uh, they definitely like to make sure that you, know, they, they market themselves as non-judgmental and tolerant people, but they're definitely not. No. So as you were sitting in these pews on Sunday mornings after 10 years, listening to these messages, cause I mean, now coming from it, when I hear messages, when I worked at the Christian radio station, I would hear messages all the time. I'd be like, this is bullshit. Like, what the yeah. hell is going on? These people are insane. <laughs> and then I was like, but I was insane. You know, it's like uh, like looking over to the other side and just being like, what the hell was I thinking? Did In these times where you were there, did you ever start to wonder, is there more? I What I doubted was, well, what if, what if I am wrong, which is one of the, one of the things that they ask you, you're like, well, what if you're wrong? You know, wouldn't you be better off to just believe anyway? And that I just, I just couldn't. I mean, every time you would think, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe that would be nice heaven and all this stuff, but it just, it never stuck. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't rationalize it and make it make sense. It's never made sense. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this information, I guess is where I was at. And then you'd see all these people raising their hands and singing along, which I never did. I never repeated the Bible, you know, repeat after me. I'm like, no, you're trying to brainwash me. That's never going to happen. <laughs> and, 
and and the singing. It's like fine, I'll sing along, but I'm going to just change God to dog, and that <laughs> makes the song a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Our dog <laughs> is an awesome that's dog. He oh my god, that's the one I sing, and my husband actually laughed at that one. He thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> she is pretty awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I love it, man. <clears throat> Next time, or I... or all the songs are kind of the same, so you can really sing the lyrics of one along with the music of another. It's true, and that was kind of fun too. That's so true. And he would just kind of look at me like, "That's you know, really." <laughs> well, awesome, awesome, God. That's like the man. That's like that's the, the one I that's think the, the the evangelical like holy grail of songs, which has been out for like mm-hmm. twenty years or more. Uh, that's right. So, so, so what? Uh, what was this like? How did your husband? Because I, I mean, so I, I, and I don't want to project my view of evangelicals on your husband, and, <laughs> and so, so I, you know, I don't want to assume he's like every other evangelical I've ever met. But they're pretty, generally, evangelicals are pretty much about like, hey, you need to believe what I believe. That's just how it is. How did, yeah. how did that? Uh, what was that? How's the relationship dynamic work with that? It's a little weird, but. But, uh, you know, okay, so maybe maybe we should back up to 2016 to make this make a little bit more sense. Like, it, I thought they were all, you know, fine. You do your thing. You're nice. That's cool. But but then when 2016, November 8th, 2016 happened, <laughs> it, was, it, I just, it I was so angry. And, and I'm so mad that all these evangelical Christians with their good stuff is like really <laughs> this is what you think is good uh, i was i was mad I, I don't know what else to say and for people so, for people who have <laughs> tilted their head thinking what the hell happened november 8 2016 if you yeah. don't if you don't remember that was the day that we elected uh president cheeto well not me but <laughs> but <laughs> I, my I whole say mission is the, to cancel out the vote i say of the, my husband. <laughs> the collective we of america yeah, not cool. So, <laughs> so, so that that was that would be the point where I really started using the word atheist, and I'm going to say that was a little shocking to to him. So what happened? But, what happened next then? Well, I think he was. Well, there were a lot of things that happened next, but he's like, "Well, we've you know, I I said I would never marry someone that wasn't a Christian." Well, this time. And I'm like, well, you should have told, should have told me that ahead of time. So, Hey, we're going to get right back to Stephanie's interview. But before we do, I would be remiss if I did not tell you about all the opportunities that you have to give to this show. So if you want to just give a one-time gift, by the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we have a fund called the YAP Relief Fund, the Your Atheist Pastor Relief Fund. We take 15% of all the monies that we get every single month and we put them in a separate fund and use that fund to give that money away when folks have a need. So we had the opportunity to give some some great uh, gift to some folks this over Christmas. And we're just kind of saving up, waiting for that very next need. So if you want to give, you can just give specifically to that. If you go to youratheistpastor.org slash give, you can just give specifically to the App Relief Fund. You can give a one-time donation because some people don't like recurring things coming off their credit card. I get that. So if you want to do a one-time gift, you can go to youratheistpastor.org forward slash give. It's a one-time donation button. But the best way to get connected to the community is to go to youratheistpastor.org forward slash give and click on become a Patreon 
subscriber. When you do that, if you give $2, you will get access to all of our old Patreon-only shows. You will get access to all of our old Instagram lives. You will be updated very first when we give something away for the App Relief Fund. In fact, even sometimes, I'll go to the Patreon uh, subscribers and ask them questions about, hey, what do you guys think of the show? We've got a couple things coming up here in a little bit where I might need your advice. We have some giveaways that might be coming our direction. I could really use your help with some phenomenal ideas. But as you know, I always say, if you cannot give to the show, that is okay. We love you. The most important thing for me really is that you listen. And if you can't give to the show, you could do two things. It would be amazing. Number one, rate us and review us on iTunes. Number two, tell someone about it. Because the more listeners we have, I don't know, the more we make an impact. And we really like that. So let's get back to Stephanie. Um, that, that, you know, it's, it's going okay. He's pretty respectful now, but there's, there's a dynamic of, or the desire, I guess I'm going to say of fundamentalist Christians that want, you know, the man's in charge and I, I'm not, not okay with that. So, so I do my thing. And sometimes I think that's a little frustrating. I'm sure he has a lot of friends that he, he's able to talk to. It's like, oh, my wife's out of control. (laughs) But. Well, and I was I, I, I was really curious about that. I remember back in my pastoral days when when we would have people who were with, you know, were married to people who ultimately left the faith. There's a couple verses and I can't remember where they are. They come from Paul that kind of excuses uh, divorce if your spouse is, is no longer a believer. And, and, uh, so I just wasn't sure if that, you know, if that was something that would ever popped up or came about or, or if there was a time there where that tension was there. Are you sure about that? Cause I, I think if you, <laughs> I think, I think the verse that I remember is actually, you can't divorce him just because you're unequally yoked. Let me, let if me, if there are non-believers refer... still stay. And I, there's one somewhere, and I think it's in Corinthians that says, you know, if you're spouse is a non-believer they'll still go to heaven because the children would be unclean something silly like that <laughs> if you know so so basically you get a pass so I guess it's, it depends uh, on which spot that you look at it's, so uh, i'm like well i'm good <laughs> right right so it's uh let's see here uh now got it all right. covered da, 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 da. Say, hold on i'm getting to, I'm you getting could be right i'm not a Bible oh, scholar no 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 I'm, I'm just i'm just trying to think because now well now now i'm curious so now i'm like i'm now i'm hung up on it because i want to see yeah i want to see what the um what the well there's the unequally yoked right 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 right, right. so uh so i can't remember where unequally yoked is but let's see here where it, okay so this is the one that says do not you know this is in context here, this is in in First Corinthians seven. For those of you following along in your Bibles, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, here it is. Read, oh, here read it is. Okay, with me now. <laughs> okay, so let's. Well, actually, we could read this. We could do a little Bible study and read this whole thing in context because oh, it actually would be kind of great. fun. So, <laughs> uh, but we'll skip ahead. Um, and uh, so it's it's uh, to the rest of you. I say this: I, not the Lord. So Paul is saying, "Hey, this is what I mean. Not my, not not God." If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. 
for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. Ooh, and the unbelieving yeah. wife has been sanctified through a believing husband. Look at you. Ta-da! Otherwise, your children would be unclean. So luckily, your children are clean. Um, well, we don't have any together, but okay, well, so there's that. Okay, well, so they're so they're they're toast. Uh, but, yeah. But <laughs> well, oh, so here is, so mine here, is anyway. <laughs> here here it is. But if the unbeliever leaves, mm-hmm. let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. So if you decided to leave, that's okay. If the unbeliever yeah. takes off, that's God's cool. Well, Paul is cool with that. We're not sure if God yeah. is cool with that. Well, um, right. Because this is God <laughs> speaking. I'm glad we went down that rabbit hole, Stephanie. That was Yeah, it's pretty fun, that was, huh? Uh, that was important to, to consider. Um, I think so. So we get asked a lot, and you probably have seen this in the Yappers group, and I'm really curious about your input on this based on kind of where you're at in life. We get asked a lot in just in most discussions about dating believers. So a lot of our atheist brethren and sistren who are of dating age uh, yeah. say like, oh, you know, should I only date an atheist? Should I leave my, should I leave it open to maybe date someone who's marginally religious. Tell me what your thought, what would you say to that, you know, 18-year, 17-year-old, 19-year-old person who is trying to find their significant other who wants that relationship and is thinking the atheist market is small and what should I do about that? What advice would you give to those folks? Uh, I believe I might have replied to a couple of those Yappers ones. And, and my answer would be, you know, if at all possible, I would avoid it. But that's, you know, what's done is done. And I know there's a few of us in the Yappers group that do have Christian spouses. Right. And it's not the easiest thing in the world. And, and I, and I, you know, the one, I think the woman atheist with the man Christian might be even a little bit harder just because of that misogyny mm. issue. But I, I would say keep keep trying. You know, <laughs> lots, lots of fish in the sea, right? <laughs> Plenty of fish. Plenty of yeah, fish. Yeah, my my daughter had done an online dating type thing, and and she had she had told me that she put atheist only on there, and I thought, oh, geez, you know. And this was <laughs> this was this was pre twenty sixteen, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Are you you're uh, <laughs> what, is that a good idea? You're narrow in the because, field. <laughs> yeah, basically, you're narrow in the field, and just because, well, and maybe that's because I'm married to one. I'm like, you can work it out. It's not that hard. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, you know, and, and actually the one atheist boyfriend that she got off of that in the beginning was not not a good guy. But she's currently married to someone that's a very good guy. Good. So, and is, yeah. is he so relig- happy, is, happy ending. Is he religious or is he an atheist? No, he's an atheist. Cool. As far as I know. Yeah, I was very, I was very clear about my religious faith on my dating profile when I met Tammy, and and because uh, I had just met too many people who, you know, coming as a pastor and coming from that environment, there was just no way I could date someone who was even like no. marginally religious, um, yeah. especially doing this show. You know, I mean that yeah. that really that really limits your field. Um, it's like, hey, like, what do you do for a living? Right. <laughs> oh, that's well, podcast. Yay. Well, <laughs> so. so aside from non-religious funerals, I host an atheist podcast that comes out yeah. weekly. You know, they're, they're, we're not going to really share that. And that was, I, I ran into that when I, I dated, the girl I dated before Tammy, she was, she was 
about as as religion light as you could get. Um, and still, we had issues with with yeah. God stuff because she would say stuff like, "I feel like God's calling me to go do X, Y, and Z," and then she would go, "I know you think that's stupid." I was like, "I didn't say it was stupid. I don't think it's. I don't think you're stupid." But I, I get that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well. Actually, I know. I know you think this is stupid, but. I had, yeah, it is. It is stupid, but I'm not going to say that out loud. <laughs> right, and I don't think you're stupid, and that's that's the thing yeah. that I think a lot of times yeah. we we and I say we as in like those of us who claim the name atheist, um, and, and I'll say the folks who are really upfront with their atheism and, and out front, so the loud yeah. atheist voices tend to be very disparaging towards religious folks and. We try to avoid that as best we can. I don't think those people are stupid. I just think that their belief system is a little wrong. Right. And I think you're doing a really good job with that. So, you know, you're you're trying to... We love everybody, which is good. Right. And it's not... I mean, I, I would say from the atheist perspective, they're misguided. But there's nothing you can do about that just now. You know, you need to just relax, let it be. It's okay. Well, and you, you, you don't know what you don't know. And and so right. I remember when I was when I was Mr. Pastor Luke, I mean, I just thought <laughs> that these atheists they they felt this they, they had this hole in their you know, this God shaped hole in their hearts and and they they needed you know, they didn't know what they were missing. I, I felt right. like if they just knew the love of Jesus <laughs> then they would be okay. And now on the other side of it, I look at that and I think the cognitive dissonance it takes to say, well, God cares when you when he let your child die but saved this child is yeah. mind-boggling in a lot yeah. of ways. It, it takes some serious mental gymnastics, in my opinion. <laughs> but I, I just um, probably... Well, I passively aggressively answered a Facebook thing or commented on a Facebook thing the other day. There was a soccer team or a something team that, okay, you know, paradise is on fire, burned down. Right. Because you're a California guy. And a team lost all their stuff. Girls, everybody buys more stuff. They give them money, yada, yada. Thank God for helping those people. And another one is, oh, yay, thank God. And I said, thanks to the good people who helped yeah i know that was mildly passive aggressive which i'm okay with but but it's like why why doesn't anybody say well maybe maybe god shouldn't have started the fire and burned down paradise in the first place right maybe god should fix you know climate change uh maybe maybe god should make it it, right why couldn't god have just (laughs) fucking made it rain right god could have god it is raining here now god could have been like god could have been like holy shit there's a fire and like yeah. thrown the rain down, but no, he decided to let everything burn and then yeah. just let the generous, godly people give money. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they get in their head that that's um, a good thing. You you have how do they get past the bad thing that happened to say that was? I don't get it. Well, when I was <laughs> so back, so back in my so I went to school to do theological <laughs> gymnastics. So, so I'm familiar with the flexibility that one has to have. And you have to start from this place of 
God only works for good, and the bad stuff is Satan or because of sin or because of the fallenness of, of yeah. the world, you know? So so then you can just discount all the bad stuff and just not blame any of it on God and only blame the good stuff on God. That's why when people go in for surgery, they're like, pray that the Lord will guide the doctors. And then after they yeah. come out for surgery, they're like, well, praise God. It's like, no, the surgeon who went to school should get the praise for that. Yes. So, I agree. Amen. So, <laughs> yeah, preach it. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're you're out you're out and proud as an atheist. Yeah, and I I'm not gonna say that I I tell everybody that walks right up to me like, hey, hi, I'm Stephanie, I'm an atheist. Well, that's, yeah, that's usually but... <laughs> that usually doesn't come up, you know. I mean, I don't. So the no. so so I don't I don't talk about my atheism uh, hardly at all when I'm when I am out into the world as it were unless right. unless it comes up and and I say things in my yoga classes like at the end I'll say if you feel comfortable doing so bring your hands together at heart center um you know because some people think that I'm about to cast a curse on them when I say namaste <laughs> because Jesus doesn't wow. like that word yeah and yeah. Uh, well they also don't like you being mindful so. right right we don't uh, my uh, my favorite Christian blogs about yoga are like we don't want an open mind. We want a mind filled with the word. Like exactly. you all are fucking insane. Drive me nuts. I don't know why they waste their time reading the same stupid book over and over. There's so many really really good books out there. Because Stephanie, this was the book written by God, and it's a living <laughs> word. God breathes new life it. into. It. <laughs> so frustrating. So, so how does, I mean, when this comes up for you, how do you approach it? You know, I mean, you're a business owner. So does this ever yeah. come, does this ever come up in, in business? Does this ever come up? Uh, yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. And, and how does it come up and, and, and walk us through how you navigate those discussions? Okay. So I'm, I'm basically front lines. So I am the customer service person. So when people call, it's me that's going to answer the phone. When they come in, it's me. And and every once in a while, I'll get a call. <laughs> I'll get a call like, do, do you have any Christian teachers? And I'm like, mm, we don't have anybody that's super mean. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't have anybody that's going to whip your kid. <laughs> we're, we're all good. Nobody's going to get stoned to death here. This is a friendly place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are Christians, but what do you mean by that? Is what I want to know. So, <laughs> but I don't, I don't say that because but that's what I want to say. Right. Um, as far as people asking me or figuring out what I am, most of them won't go beyond the step of, I'm going to go to your husband's church this weekend. What time are the services? And I'm like, I don't know. Got it. And they won't ask the next question of, well, why don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, so your husband goes to Agape, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then they'll look at me like, so you, you don't go there, but then they, they, they're afraid to ask and find out that I don't believe at all. Yeah. They don't want to go down that road. Yeah. And I think only one person here, and we have a lot of students. I think only one parent here has actually said something about, I think my kid needs religion along with school. And I'm like, well, that's fine. And, and then she asked what church I went to. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a non. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a non. Really? Uh, and, and, you know, she's, She's a really nice person. She's a good person. She doesn't seem to mind that I'm a non, which is fine. That's so, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's something I don't encounter it too much in my daily life. I find that uh, most people don't care, um, no. or or they assume 
you know, so. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So Especially if you're married to a Christian. The, 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 oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. The, the, the fun part for me is that uh, doing these funerals, occasionally I read the Bible. So people yeah. will call me pastor at the end. And I kind of <laughs> chuckle at it because I think, like, yeah, I'm the atheist pastor. You don't even know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> well, but uh, yeah, but it, uh, it is kind of fun to to uh, I think there's a couple people in my yoga classes that know. Um, but other than that, I don't really it's not something that comes up that often. I think that's something a lot of right. folks a lot of folks don't understand that we don't usually walk around saying, hi, I'm Luke and I'm an atheist. Um, right. You know, my right. my my uh, welcome to church. My name is Luke and I'm your atheist pastor. I say that once a week on the show. I don't announce myself as that in public. Um, you know, for various reasons. Well, why would you? Exactly. I mean, There's really no point. They're, they're presumptuous and, and they they assume everyone is like them. Right. Because they and, and especially if you've got good morals and you're, you know, an upstanding citizen. Yeah. They, they would assume you're one of them because they how assume, else could you be? <laughs> yeah. They you can't be an atheist. And they, they also uh, they also are all about telling you about Jesus. So they just assume that they assume that atheists try to get that same uh, evangelical bend that Christians do. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. which, which is kind of funny that what, you know, that's, that's again, that's why I always say like, I'm not an atheist evangelist. I'm not trying to convert anybody. I don't care what you believe. Just don't be a dick about it. Um, right. Well, that, and don't, don't try to make me do your thing. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's like, it's when it, when it, and that's why 2016 make me so angry Yeah. was, was the, the whole, we're going to make you do our thing. It's like, well, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, uh-uh. uh. Well, and, and the, the frustrating thing for me when I listen to some of the, and it usually comes from the GOP candidates, they'll, they'll say, you know, I'm a Christian first, I'm a Republican second, yeah. I'm a whatever, American third or whatever bullshit. And yeah. imagine, imagine, well, first of all, imagine some of these uh, ladies who just got elected. Uh, we have some of our first few um, uh, Muslim Congress women who have been elected. And imagine yep. if, if their platform was, I'm a Muslim first, a Democrat <laughs> second. Man, they would freak the fuck out. And same thing, yep. like, if I ran for office and I was like, I'm an atheist first. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the, the evangelical... Well, I would vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I wouldn't have enough to get you know elected by by with that platform. But uh, but uh, um, but what's interesting to me is that it seems like the evangelicals are the one that really ones that really hang that religion out front and center. They fly that flag yeah. front and center, yeah, and then expect everyone else to do so. And that's just not how most people live their lives. No, I think that most of them are actually a lot more casual, and it it, it well it comes back to the community thing. Where it's like this is my community. I hang out with these people. It's based around religion, but are they really listening? I'm not sure. I, I think there's a bunch of them that don't. The evangelicals might be different on that, but I don't know. the ch- The big church we went to is patterned after your, you know, Willow Creek and whatever that uh, Saddleback yeah. in L.A. So it's one of those where it's a lot of show. To try to get the seekers, yes, in. <laughs> seeker so, sensitive. A <laughs> lot of show, and I was behind the scenes enough to be like, "Wow, this this really is bullshit." So, <laughs> yeah, it but, it is a lot of it is about production value and yeah. and and manipulating emotions with lighting and sound and yep. And there's you know there's I, I would I would I would venture to say that if one is well meaning 
it is beneficial to use sound and lighting to help sure. people experience something. So I think about like, you know, Tony Robbins, he does stuff like that. And even in, in yoga classes, we put certain music on at certain times with certain, you know, with certain intentions. Um, but I think, but I'm clear about that. Like I know that I'm putting on certain music because I want people to feel a certain way. Whereas yeah. these folks tend to hide it behind getting them closer to God, not necessarily like, hey, we're willfully manipulating people's emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people are a little bit guilted into being baptized or coming up to the yeah. altar, you know, that kind of a thing. Where it's like, well, I guess I better do this. Right. <laughs> and, right. And that feels kind of sad to me. Yeah. I, my excuse for never being baptized at a real church was that I was baptized as a baby. I'm good. There you go. You're in. You're in. <laughs> and uh, in. and as long as in the Catholic Church, as long as you've been baptized, man, you're good. Like you're just. Well, so I'm going to Catholic heaven. So there's that. <laughs> That's all right. That's... <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Well, Stephanie, we're we're coming to a close. Um, yeah. and so I'll ask you that magical question that we ask everybody at the end of every interview. Tell me why you think we might not be screwed after all. Well, I'm going to say because it's an atheist born every day. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I also believe, you know, there might be more stupid people than smart people in this world, but I believe there's more good people than bad people. Uh, and that's where I'm going to leave it. I love that. That was magical. Yeah. That was a magical answer, <laughs> Stephanie. That was so good. Thank well, you. Thank you so much for being a Patreon subscriber, a member of our Yappers group, and for being willing to come on the show and be a featured atheist. I really, really it appreciate blast. it. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Stephanie. I absolutely loved talking to her. I'm always so jealous of the people who grew up without religion because they just did not have the 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 baggage that those of us that that have religion do but it was really interesting i could not believe that she went to church for 10 years and not and wasn't a believer like i don't i can't imagine i cannot imagine going to church every day or every sunday for 10 years uh, and not being a believer it's hard enough for me it was hard enough for me to go to church every day when i was a believer let alone if i wasn't a believer um so i just i admire her for what she's doing for where she's at uh, I think it is, uh, I, I love, she gave such, those of you that are in the dating realm right now, you're in the dating sphere, and you're trying to decide whether or not you should marry a religious person, um, I don't think she said it, she didn't say it explicitly, I will split, say it explicitly, don't. Don't do it, just don't do it. Um, you're not religious, they shouldn't be, life is easier when they're not, uh, relationships are complicated enough, you don't need to throw in different religions so that's all that's all i have to say about that we have taken up enough of your time today really appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and i love you more than you could possibly know i do not need to know you to love you and we will talk to you next week stay godless everybody